HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Michelle Cordero Grant, founder and CEO of Gorgi, the first clean energy drink built by women for women. Prior to building Gorgi, Michelle founded Lively in 2016, a leisure, I love that word, brand, inspiring women to live passionately, purposely, and confidently. In three years, she grew the brand from concept to five stores, 165,000 ambassadors, and an $105 million acquisition. Gorgie just launched in Whole Foods Northeast and on Amazon, among several other retailers, and a lot of stuff is happening in the next couple of months, which we will talk about. So welcome, Michelle. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. It's fun because we, we had all these technical difficulties but now we're on a video thing, which I'm not used to. So I get to actually look at you <laughs> while I'm asking you questions, which I haven't done in two years. So that's really nice. Oh my God. I love it. It's so nice to see you and chat with you. Nice to see you too. And I have to say, getting right into it, it is not every day that I meet someone who built a brand and sold it for $100 million three years later. So um, I don't even know what to ask first, but that must have been a wild ride. Maybe tell me a little bit about how what happened there. So um, it was definitely a serendipitous journey to say the least. Um, but looking now and looking back, but honestly, it was very extreme highs and lows. Um, and really came from me working for uh, you know fashion leaders like. Macy's and Bloomingdale's on their private label brands, Nautica Kipling, tenure of my career with Victoria's Secret. Um, And the premise of my first company, Lively, was really that I just saw social media growing so fast and so beautifully. And I saw people of all different backgrounds and demographics. And it just kind of sparked in my mind. I'm like, 
I've always worked for these brands that had one kind of uh, lens, yeah, and voice, et cetera. And so the the idea was like, what if we could crowdsource and have a brand that was actually built by all these amazing humans I see on social media? What would that look like, feel like, cost, et cetera? And, and that was lively. Uh, so it was never supposed to work. Like statistically, 60% of the time startups implode in two to three years. And in nine years, 90%. So... <laughs> To say the least, you know, doing things a little bit differently, but with the financial business plan and background of, uh, you know, a company like Victoria's Secret that had 40% market share of an $18 billion industry and double digit operating income uh, led me to have the confidence to try something. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because I've read a few things and, you know, I love the that you know, we spend so much time talking about building the brand and the brand voice and the brand pillars and making sure that all of our messaging and collateral aligns with this identity. And I believe you said in one of the interviews, like you almost launched it without a brand identity. That was the identity that you wanted it to be a workshopped, um, brand by the women that it was built for. And that sounds like, you know, that sounds so natural. Of course, you know, you're coming up through this age of all these incredible people making content and this real sort of democratization of, you know, who gets to, who gets to represent um, brands, which is really neat. But then what did that look like in practice, you know, how, how were those first steps and how did you go about taking that idea and actually making it a reality? Yeah. I mean, it's so hacky <laughs> looking back and then also looking at how Gorgie's being built very similarly, um, in a different time, but, you know, take yourself back to 2016, Instagram stories didn't even exist. And what we were doing was basically having focus groups in real life, which looked like, Hey, 12 to 15 women with two degrees of separation from me because your friends and family will always tell you what they want you to know or think or tell you not to do it because they love you. But if you take two degrees of separation and actually have people, you know, chime in, you will get the truth. And we would literally have focus groups with an Airbnb, wine and cheese, and, you know, come join brand X. We want you to be a part of building this. You'd be shocked at how many people want to come. And we went for different genres, women in fitness, women in business, women, moms, et cetera. And, and the thesis was like, what are the common trend lines that we see when we ask these different groups, the same questions, what image sparks an emotion when I put it on the coffee table, what's that word on a post-it? What words do you like? Is it, is it panties? Is it underwear? No, it's undies. (laughs) Panties is like creepy. Underwear is boys. Undies is like really casual and fun what taglines and like you're it it is like statistics it's just what you learned in school right like you get to 50 to 100 answers the one that rises to the top is is data (laughs) um and we took that and a month before we launched we put a refer a friend campaign together like harry's the razor company did in 2011 using their code that they open source we got 133,000 emails in 48 hours we had 300,000 sessions on this website that was literally a splash page for $100 a month on Shopify. And we were global. And we turned all of our customer service channels on immediately and just started talking to them and asking 
these girls in Australia, what do you love about this brand? Why do you care? Da -da -da -da. Fast forward, Gorgie's the same thing seven years later, but on TikTok. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> fascinating. I, I mean, I guess how, and then, I mean, I guess that's going to be sort of like the crux of like when we get back from the break, like the differences, but going back to Lively for a second, it, did you, I mean, basically products one through 10 were, were just responses to what you were hearing from all of these women. Is that, is that essentially what happened? Pretty much every product to be honest. Right. So like we focus group, the first seven bras, three undies and one bodysuit for good measure. And that's what we launched with. But then after that, you just hear what they're asking for. And the first viral product, it literally had a billion impressions was our busty bralette. And it was basically like this, like people were making bras for women that were either quote unquote, what people call plus size or just, you know, super small, you know, caged women. Now, what about a woman that has a double D, but a 32 or a 34 rib cage? There was nobody making bralettes for that size range. So we created it and it was just wildfire. We also created a no wire strapless. Like the strapless bra was always every woman's frenemy. And we're like, well, what don't you like about it? What do you like about it? And we're like, oh, we can fix that. It took us 18 months. And the no wire strapless to this day is still probably the number one, if not number two style at, at Lively. I mean, it's amazing. So before we go to the break, I do want to ask, uh, you know, what made you want to do that again? <laughs> <laughs> Why would anyone do this again? Well, it's interesting. I never, you know, after I sold Lively, because going through an acquisition, it sounds so, you know, amazing and glamorous and, and like, wow, so awesome. It was exhaustingly terrifying, emotional, gut-wrenching. And it took me years to really get to the place of like, oh my God, I'm so thankful for that journey. Because I am, I really am. But when you create something from within and then you, you give it to somebody else, it's really hard. <laughs> it's yeah. Really I mean, hard. I, I think right now, especially, you know, in our business, and I'm sure, you know, the all businesses, right? But I think anything where you're making a an actual good and you are putting it on trucks and there are people in factories and there are people receiving it and there are warehouses and then there I mean it's it's just hard right now. It's always been hard, but I think, you know, this COVID long tail of um supply chain issues and labor issues, I don't think we've even scratched the surface with, you know, how it's impacting um, companies. And, you know, there there's a lot of opportunity there. And I'm sure you're seeing that. Um, and, but it's also just, you know, I was talking to a few founder friends of mine and, you know, we used to say like one step forward, three steps back. Now it feels like one step forward, like five and a half steps back, <laughs> you know, like um, all the time. And I guess, you know, I know that you, learned some things along the way. I mean, not just the acquisition was exhausting, but, you know, as you said, it was a very, the highs are incredibly high. The lows are pretty low. Um, what did you do during the lows? Like, how did you, how did you get yourself on those days where you just feel like, why am I doing this? This is so uphill. I, you know, 
what kept it going for you? You know, entrepreneurship, I realized is literally like building a mental muscle. I, I learned like athletes, right? They don't start out running 26 miles in under four minutes. It takes them time and training, et cetera, to get their bodies to be equipped for that. And entrepreneurs, it's the same thing for our minds, you know? And so the first year, every time something went wrong, like we shipped our first bra and it had this slinky strap that I thought was the best because everyone loved it when they had it in their hands, it slipped. And so imagine your bra just slipping all day. We had to reship. I'm like, oh my God, we're out of business. Or I relaunched our website, you know, two, you know, three weeks before cyber week. I didn't know that Google organic was completely like in a reset, restart when you do that, you know, again, thought we were going to zero, but every time I got knocked down, I got back up faster and your mind obviously, you know, all of a sudden starts to adapt to a, a world of puzzles, not problems. And you just see that figuring out is figuring out how to do things is what's next. Our job is to figure it out and keep everyone believing in what we see in our minds as existing in the world, but we're actually still creating it in real time. And that's, what's great. So when the hard times come, number one, cry my eyes out, like feel it, like don't, don't not feel it. Don't internalize it, voice it. I'm on texts with like 10 female founders, so many friends I call, I get it out. I walk and, uh, you know, I do hacky, you know, physical things. I change my body temperature. You'll find me just like take a shower in the middle of the day just to reset. And I, I have these like little hacks now that I've created a toolbox for myself so that I can weather the lows and live in the highs. Yeah. I mean, I love that. That's, that's actually a great place to take a break because I was going to say something, but I think we'll leave it at what you said. Okay, we'll be right back. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Coming this spring, we're working on something big for opening soon. Opening a restaurant can sometimes take months or even years. So I have this one consulting client that's been three months away from opening for the past year. And I had a calendar reminder show up today, and the reminder was that our goal was to open tomorrow. But this spring, you'll be able to hear it in just a few hours. On March 30th, he had passed away, and then on March 31st, he had come back to life. And then on April 2nd, he had passed away again. And I was like, 
Okay. My regards to the family. I don't even know how to receive this information. So tune in as we follow one of Brooklyn's best and brightest young chefs and restaurateurs on their journey from start to open doors. Alex, you need to put more money in. We're out. We can't pay anybody. He is the worst. Oh my (laughs) God, that guy. It's the build. Subscribe to Opening Soon from Heritage Radio Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm back with Michelle Cordero Grant from Gorgie. Okay, so I love the mental muscle. I love changing your body temperature. I really do, you know, everyone who listens to this regularly knows that I just turned 51. And I would say I'm finally, I feel like I finally understand that it is not about avoiding the challenges because they are inevitable, Um, whether that's life or business or whatever. Things are cyclical. They go up, they go down. They will smack you in the face. But it is, like you said, about the toolkit that you have when those things inevitably happen. And, you know, not taking everything personally and knowing that this isn't likely the end. You know, everything does feel like the end. Well, if this doesn't happen, then that's not going to happen. And then that's not going to happen. And then everyone's going to leave and it's over. Um, But you know, very rarely is that the case. So now I want to talk about, you know, a couple of mistakes that you think that perhaps you made along the way that are influencing the way that you're building Gorgi. And I mean, we're not, we're going to get into the fact that it's a totally different category and it's beverage and it's imbibable and all that. But I, I mean, I think just big picture, you know, you got some really good stuff out of building that mental muscle and that toolkit. What would you say you're going to avoid on yeah. this path? I would say number one is progress over perfection. Like I live in this mantra of, you know, when I was, you know, with Lively, when I started Lively, like every post, every comment, every email, I sweated over with the team and it just, it slowed us down. And, you know, I slowed us down because I was so OCD and type A over it. And I mean, look, who am I kidding? I still am. But I also have learned now that progress is way more rewarding than perfection. We don't know what we don't know. And we know who we are as a human being. It's like, I know what I would wear and what I wouldn't wear. So why am I overthinking it? (laughs) Uh, So I would say that mistake, I think, is something that all entrepreneurs make. And it's just, it takes time and like getting comfortable with yourself. Yeah. And because we care so much, you know, the, the upside is that we care so much and we're willing to work at this, you know, for not a whole lot for a long time. The downside is that because we care so much, it does feel very personal when someone isn't picking up what we're putting down. Totally. Totally. And you know, when I think about Gorgie, it was an idea in August and on the shelf in January. I did not have all the answers. I didn't even have my first hire hire until November, but in my stomach, I knew I was going to figure it out. And I knew I would find out what was next on the way. As I also learned what like beverage and the industry of this DSD and this acronyms I had never heard, I, I would just figure it out. But that just came with, again, knowing that that's the job to figure it out. The other mistake I think is like over investing in things that you think are supposed to be part of your business, but maybe aren't. And so like 
foreseen this plan. I, I, I equate it to like, you know, we all graduated from college. We thought we were going to have this job and get married and this, like this life, right. We assumed. And a lot of us spend a lot of our time forcing that journey versus just taking life as it comes. We do the same thing in business. We create these plans. We create these ideas of like how the brand's going to be built, where the company's going to thrive and cans are going to be sold versus just going with it. And again, I think here I, I shift and I jive very quickly and it's like, Oh, Oh, this is where the opportunity let's go. It's not Instagram. It's TikTok. done. <laughs> oh, Amazon. Sure. <laughs> right. And that's interesting because it's almost like, you know, I, I, like I read a lot of Pema Chedron, right. And the whole thing, whether it's like therapy or Buddhism or, you know, life coaching, it's this Delta between what you expect to happen and what actually happens. Most of our sadness and anger and all of, you know, those, those emotions come from an expectation that hasn't been met rather than the actual thing. So, you know, it's interesting to hear you say like, you know, first of all, you can go into this business with some confidence from your last one, which is amazing. And you can also go in sort of saying like, I'm going to ride this, which, which direction and, and have the confidence to not feel like you owe anyone. This is the plan and this is exactly how it's going to go. And this is what my key things are for this quarter. And, you know, all of that, I'm sure you have some direction, but you know, it, it feels a lot more comfortable, right. I think, yes. is the word. Yes, yes. Yeah. At Lively, you know, when I launched, I was like, this is the plan. This is the expectation. This is how it's going to happen. And 90% of that is not how that tape ended up playing, but the but the result ended up being being met or better, right? And here it's like, same thing, but I can now comfortably say, this is the plan for whatever that's worth. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> However, for now, asterisk. Yes, right, exactly. exactly. Uh, you know, the expectation of what will happen, you know, regardless of the path to get there is still there. Okay. And so now you, you mentioned, and this sounds insane to me, but you mentioned that it was an idea in August yeah. and that it was on shelf in January. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about that. Like, first of all, the idea. So yeah. Gorgi is like what you said, an energy drink built by women for women. Um, tell me about, you know, where that came from, what, what was the impetus yeah. and, um, you know, I guess how you're layering on all of the stuff that you built at Lively onto an energy drink, which right. is a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was soul searching a lot in 2022. I didn't know where I wanted to go next. And I got to the place where I realized I needed to step down as CEO at Lively because for the first time that what Lively needed and what I needed were different. And I finally realized that I love to build brands. That's what I live for. I constantly found myself buying URLs on GoDaddy, building boards in my now office that you would see behind me if our cameras were on. And I was like, hold on, I'm just building brands for fun. Like what's happening? Uh, This is a sign that I'm ready for number two. And what I realized is I got really interested in health and wellness being, you know, turning 40 during the pandemic, I started really paying attention to sleep and supplements and and fitness. And just like, I took care of myself. Um, and I, I never felt better. I was like, Oh my God, I feel like I'm aging backwards just from like my energy and how I felt, you know, as a human. And I said like, well, how can I make this fun? Like, how can I make this not so serious? So minimal, like, 
tastes better, et cetera. And I actually started with powders and pills. Like that's how I got into the space of CPG. And I met my amazing partner, Jason Cohen, um, who comes from, you know, veggie straws, skinny pop, core water, yeah. basically He's every- had a few success stories. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Open your pantry. You'll basically see Jason, Jason Cohen and him and I sat down for a lunch and we talked for two hours about the worst ideas, but had the best time. And we walked away from that meeting saying like, we're going to create something. We don't know what it is. And we just kept in touch all spring and summer. Fast forward, I find myself in Florida and I see people everywhere holding energy drinks. And I'm just looking at them and I'm like, okay, you spend all of your time on your fitness, on your outfits, on your makeup, on all these things. And then this thing in your hand, it just doesn't go. It doesn't, doesn't fit. And I looked at the ingredients and I was like, and also this isn't good for you. So how can I actually tweak what I've been working on, which is wellness with energy and boom, the light bulb went off. Energy meets wellness, meet Gorgie. I mean, amazing. And so like you said, you're, you're building it much in the same way, you know, we referenced at the beginning that Lively didn't necessarily have a brand identity. Right. Um, it seems like Gorgie does. You know, <laughs> it, it does seem like it has an identity kind of out of the gate. Yeah. But I guess, um, how are you layering in that, you know, that crowdsourced vibe right. with the way that you're building Gorgie? Um, well, I love that you said that it, it looks as if it has an identity from the beginning because it's amazing to hear it 1000% did not. <laughs> it, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I, oh my gosh. Uh, we threw it up on TikTok the weekend before Labor Day. Erica, who, you know, is so incredible and works with us, came on to, you know, freelance for me and she met me the weekend of Labor Day, we literally took content with the liquid that I had in a jar. It looks like Breaking Bad. And we're like, let's just put this up on TikTok and see if people like this. It was our first sample. And we got 100,000 likes in two weeks. And so there I got confidence. That was like confidence point number one. So I took that and I started you know, really massaging out the brand based on the feedback we were getting from TikTok. Fast forward to the end of September, Expo East. I find our second human that joined Gab, our intern who lives in Philly, she lives next door to my mother-in-law, two degrees of separation, as I told you. And Gab was like, I want to intern for you. I'll host a, a happy hour in Philly with all the girls that I know in the area that would love Gorgie. And I went to a happy hour in Philly, so hacky, took that, again, confidence and went to Expo East. I had no ticket to Expo East, just so you know, no product. I ended up getting a press pass and walking around S Expo East with samples of Gorgie, again, in a glass bottle, in a handbag. <laughs> You're like, who is this girl? And I just started to meet people in the beverage industry at the Ritz. Everyone hangs out in the lobby right near in the hotel, near the trade show. Pro tip. <laughs> um, and that's honestly when it became real. I was like, wow, now I have people on social media saying this is something. Now I have the beverage industry saying this is something. It's go right. time. And so then you got like a little bit of education in not only the world of food and beverage, but in possibly the most cutthroat category oh, within yeah. food and beverage, which is, you know, beverage and right. energy. Right. Um, so what are you noticing what is what has surprised you i guess about this weird world yeah. of beverage 
Look, everyone keeps telling me they're like, beverage is by far the hardest category to crack. And of course, for me, I'm like, that's fine. Yeah, I'm not like glass half full. I'm like glass overflowing. So I just, all I see is Victoria's Secret all over again. I see not an $18 billion, you know, I see 18 to $20 billion industry, which is energy with a, a really healthy Kager, right? But the number one brand is Red Bull, rightfully so, right? But they are the Victoria's Secret of the energy space, right? They 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 basically created the space, but they have a very specific point of view, just like Victoria's Secret did. And I always tell people, Victoria's Secret has a very strong place in the world and always will. But they've created an industry now which has room for multiple perspectives, conversations, and being reasons for being. And that's what energy has now. Energy is not just about performance and what you know, the reasons that Red Bull created energy to begin with, it's being used for so many different ways in life and by so many different people. So we are now invited to create those other genres. And none of the drinks that I see on the shelf were made by women with women in mind first. So, you know, I always tell people like Lively was by women for women. Gorgie started out as by women for women. And what I've realized, it's not, it's actually by women for all. Mm, right. That's awesome. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I, I feel like at some point Coke or Pepsi, they, they, they tried to do like a, you know, a feminine, I guess, would right. be, I don't know what, you know, version of an energy drink. Like it has been tried, right. um, but it hasn't been tried from an outsider. Right. Um, and it hasn't been tried in this way where you are, you know, now there's like this, like they call it social listening. Like in my day, <laughs> we just called it like listening, right. you know, to people <laughs> like, you know, and knowing, I mean, I think what, you know, what you said earlier was, I always go back to, you know, the cooking school days for yeah. me where, you know, I was in the front all the time and nine out of 10 customers had, advice for me or ideas for me. And, you know, me being me, I, I got swayed a little bit. Like one person would say like, you should definitely do this. And I was like, we should definitely do that. And another person would say like, you should not do this. I'd be like, no way in hell are we doing that. (laughs) But I think what happens as, you know, like you said, you build this muscle of entrepreneurship, you start to learn to say, okay, here's a pattern. Right you know, you're recognizing symbols and patterns along the way, and you've seen this trap before, and you've also, and so I guess, you know, what are some of the things that you're hearing, whether it's industry or community Mm -hmm. that is influencing how you're zigging and zagging basically going forward now? Well, I would start with, you know, two things. Number one, the product itself. You know, I, I realize like, the, the main, the legacy energy drinks, the thriving energy drinks, they weren't sold in whole foods. And, you know, as I, when I came up with the concept to approach women, the first place we should be sold is whole foods, because if you are going to be a better for you product, what better criteria than being sold in whole foods 
is, is there. And so really being able to partner with them to make a product that actually meets their criteria is so yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, that's the reason why they're not sold there is because yeah. Whole Foods, you know, I, I don't even know if people know how long the list is of ingredients that right. they simply will not have on yeah. their shelves. Yeah. yeah. So that was like, number one is like, if I'm going to enter the space, I need to come in blazing with some type of like blue check mark and Whole Foods for me is the blue check mark. Number two is that blue check mark being socially verified is like, you know, that's what Gorgie is. It started on TikTok. And if you actually look at the can, you'll see people from our community on the can. And so it's so funny that like people are asking to be on our can. Our can is the new Instagram. So you can like really bring in your community to the product. And so coming from fashion and beauty, like bringing fashion and beauty tactics to beverage seems so obvious to me, but when I do it, the industry is like, what are you doing? Oh my God. Actually, this is kind of cool. The thing that was really hard for me though, in terms of just conviction and confidence was the packaging. When I started working on the packaging, everyone's like, oh my God, you have to have so much information. You need to have pictures of fruit and you need to have all these like color combinations and the packaging needs to do this and that. And I'm like, pictures of fruit was like, I feel like that's like, to pictures of fruit to 2022 right. is like change the narrative right. to 2019. I don't know what, it, you know, I don't know what yes. expression, but like pictures of fruit definitely like made its way around pretty yes. hardcore. Yeah. Yes. And everyone kept telling me my can didn't have enough. The packaging doesn't say enough, doesn't scream enough. And I was like, I think everyone's packaging, in my opinion, I'd like my packaging to calm down and pop and really look like a fashion accessory that pull people in and they're like, what is that? Oh my God, I have to hold that. I have to drink that. And so I was terrified about the packaging, to be honest, because I'm like, is it too minimal? Is it too this? Is it too that? Turns out it's like one of the greatest assets of our brand is the can. (laughs) Yeah. No, I remember interviewing Marissa, I think, um, from United Sodas. Right. And, you know, and then I interviewed Alex who designed their cans, which I think are absolutely beautiful and almost like an art installation. Right. Um, And I remember having this conversation because there's this like weird hangover of underestimation of the consumer. Right. Like the consumer is able to turn it around and look to see what's in it and how many calories. It doesn't need to have 85 things on the front. And I, I mean, I, I think the pictures of fruit thing is kind of funny. I'm going to call this episode building without pictures of fruit I think, because I love the name, but you know, I think, um, and especially for something in your category where it is, I mean, look at liquid death, right? Like that is, that is, people are holding that as a fashion accessory at this point, right? So it makes total sense to me. What other, you know, fashion beauty tactics? Like I totally understand on the can. Um, Tell me a little bit. Yeah. We have a magazine. (laughs) My team was like, what? I was like, nope. I want a magazine. We're making a magazine and it's going to be in every box at our booth, et cetera. And And the team was like, wait, hold on. This totally makes sense, but doesn't make sense. I was like, we're going to have a inside cover by the editor, me and like our events and by like bylines and all these different things. And people just like started to see there's the brand has so much depth. There's so much multifacetedness to it. Our Geneva community, like we launched too, is like, you know, we have 600 women in there every single day talking about like where they're posting good vibes of the day, 
there's a hype room, the ideas. It's just like lively all over again. We don't have to come up with one idea. It's all coming from the community. The the last three flavors that you know we just created literally came from TikTok. <laughs> Amazing. Wait, is Geneva a social media? Yeah, it's a place that you can build a like stickier community where like I always say you can meet people on TikTok and Instagram. You can have a living room chat in Geneva. <laughs> Interesting. I've never even heard of it. Yeah. Huh. And that's very cool. Disco balls and ice luges. Like if you've been to any lively events, we have disco balls on everything. Why? Because disco balls are fun. <laughs> that's it. You see a disco ball, you think party, you think music. And ice luges, like an energy drink. Why not? Why not? <laughs> have shots of Gorgy. You don't need to have it to be tequila and vodka. Also, we found that like college kids love us as a mixer or, you know, like young adults, New Yorkers, you know. Um, and then we found our, well, ourselves in Goldman Sachs, you know, investment bankers, nurses. The possibilities are really endless, but the idea that we share ourselves like a beauty brand, it it allows us to think differently and show up in places that are unexpected. We have been at four New York Fashion Weeks uh, runway shows, 40, 40 college campuses, two Super Bowl events, and we will be at Wimbledon and we launched January 11th. That's incredible. You are a powerhouse. Um, and you will be nationally available in a certain retailer come the summer. That's right. Yes. That's yes. right. Amazing. And I mean, last question, because I know Liam has to head out soon and we had a little technical difficulty getting started, but what, I mean, do you feel like you need, I mean, retail distribution is obviously, you know, important. Yeah. It's a heavy product, et cetera. Yeah. But how are you thinking about building that out? I mean, are you, are you kind of, I'm assuming you're getting some incoming and the more events you do and the more activations, the yes. more you will get incoming, yes. but you also do want to be like thoughtful about building it out. You know, are, is that a different game for you a little bit than lively was because sure, you know, trucks are so <laughs> beverage trucks are what they are. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole new world, but it's not, right? So Lively was, you know, predominantly digital, wherelively.com, but then we had five stores and Target and Nordstrom. And so here, it's almost like you flip that because it is, you know, energy is such a convenience-driven drink. It's like when you need it, it needs to be there. <laughs> um, however, how you get the brand to be known and recognized is through social media. So I think about social media and online as our first date. And I think about the shelves of keeping us like monogamous. Yeah. <laughs> and no, so I love it. We got to be everywhere. Eventually we just need to be smart in terms of where we start and how we build that relationship. Yep. Amazing. Yeah. Well, this was like, I feel like this was like a power 45 minutes. Like it was just like, <laughs> Ding, ding, ding. But I have a feeling that is how it is with you in general. So, I mean, I cannot thank you enough for coming on, for bearing with me. We tried this before, everybody. It's like the most embarrassing. My internet didn't work. And then- My internet didn't you know, work. I mean, we were just a hot mess. So this is, you know, we've been trying to get Michelle on for a while, but, and today looked like it was going to like maybe take a bad turn, but it didn't. Yay. And you're here. 
Um, so thank you so much for coming on. And I hope it's just an amazing, amazing ride for you. It sounds like it's off to a great start. Oh, thanks, Allison. Well, we definitely are having a good time. So everyone, please check us out at getgorgy.com. Good energy for everyone. Yeah. Coming soon. Amazing. And Liam, thank you for bearing with me uh, through all of our technical difficulties. <laughs> and as always, your engineering skills are what keeps this going because I would be crying on the floor <laughs> otherwise. Um, and all of you listeners, I can't thank you enough. And I know things are a little crazy out there, but hopefully this is offering some help and some solutions. And I will be back next week with another episode of In the Sauce. In the Sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.